Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Time once again for a guest to join me and select their Dream 15. Now, over the 10, 12 weeks that we've been doing this, we've had people select them in various ways. Some people have insisted on picking players that they played with, players that they coached. Uh, Others have uh, gone down the route of not selecting any Welsh players. They didn't want to upset people. Uh, But this week, we have got a Lions-orientated episode so I was joined by Craig Muncy, rugby writer, uh, co-author of Matthew Reese's book, uh, and he's got a couple more uh, rugby autobiographies coming out soon, which we'll keep you posted with. Now, Craig joined us and said he wanted to pick his favourite side based uh, based upon Lions that he'd seen play. So that spans the series of 1983 up to the one in 2017 in New Zealand. Really enjoyed doing this, and uh, yeah, it's been a little while since we had Craig on the podcast, so it was great to chat to him. So a big thanks to him for joining us, and as always, a big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades, if you want to get your hands on some great coffee, and also support a young Welsh business, then you can do that by going to socoffeetrades.co.uk. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of Dream 15 by The Attacking Scrum. done but here's Phillips Mike Phillips there's the try South Africa have bullied the Lions for an hour and they are now on their knees welcome to another edition of Dream 15 from the attacking scrum Hope you've been enjoying these. We've certainly been enjoying bringing them to you. And uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome back to the Attacking Scrum, good friend of the show, uh, our resident uh, expert on all things Cardiff. But he's promised us he's not even going to be talking about Cardiff today. <laughs> it's, it's a big welcome back to Craig Muncy. How are you doing, Craig? I'm very well, thanks, Jed. Thanks for the build-up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, the, the, other, the other thing is, because uh, you know, as we say, we are, you are you are an expert on all things Cardiff, whether it's RFC or the Blues. Uh, but 
the other thing that people often say is, you know, when's it too early to talk about the Lions? But I figure when there's when there's no rugby on, you can talk about whatever you want, and it's never too early to look back at the Lions. So I'm delighted that you've come up with a with your own take on uh, on Dream Fifteen for us today. Explain how, uh, uh, yeah, explain what you're going to be you're going to be doing for us. Yeah, thanks, Jed. Um, yeah, so I was asked uh, this week by British Lions to write an article. Um, they've been having a bit of a series of articles on there for some freelance writers, so it was great to be asked. Um, but that then got me thinking about um, obviously after having a conversation about picking my dream team. I thought I'd go with a little twist on that. So my team is going to be picked from uh, the British Lions series that I've watched in my lifetime. So I'm a bit longer than a tough than yourself, Jed. So <laughs> I'll be starting from 1983 um, up to the, obviously the last tour, which is in 2017. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so there's nine, nine Lions test series to go through. Um, so I've, I've narrowed it down to three from each position. And then obviously I'll then uh, announce my, my, greatest Lions uh, dream team. Good stuff. Well, before we before we get stuck into those players and who's on the shortlist, just talk to us about that that 1983 tour and, you know, kind of where were you watching it? What are your memories of, of that tour specifically? Yeah, obviously in New Zealand. So it was an early morning start. Um, as I say, I was um, giving my age away now. I was nine. Um, so I remember watching it very fondly with my father, um, who... You know, he, he, like myself, loves his rugby. So I just remember getting a very early morning, having some breakfast, cup of tea, and then sitting down and hoping that uh, obviously the British Lions will will get the victory, which, um, you know, it was, it was a, a very, very good New Zealand side. And there was some good performance from the Lions, but unfortunately came a bit short. But um, yeah, fond memories, you know, spending time with your, your dad, having a bit of father and son time. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's nice to look back on on that time. It is. And do you know what? I particularly like the, uh, I don't know, I'm sure we've mentioned this on, on here before, but I really like the the early morning kickoffs. There's something I really like about watching rugby at weird times. You know, I enjoyed it with the World Cup in Japan, just being able to get up, you know, getting up at six or seven o'clock, sticking a pot of coffee on or uh, or a beer if you're going out and uh, I'm watching rugby first thing in the morning. It's uh, There's something brilliant about that, I think. Yeah, I agree. You know, especially New Zealand, you know, that that is seen by many and myself as being the ultimate test um so yeah you know i, I remember in 2005 um going out on a few drinks and uh i'm wishing the game wasn't as early as it was as, as the day went on but um but yeah it, it, new zealand is is the is the one i always look out for so uh, yeah fond memories yeah absolutely yeah the, the 2005 ones are very different a very different kettle of fish i was with it being glastonbury this weekend so that would have been yeah 15 years ago i watched the, the first test got up and and they had it on the big screen at, at glastonbury and uh yeah within you know within 10 15 minutes you knew it wasn't going to be it wasn't no, going to no. be a fun day and uh and yeah fortunately there was, there was plenty of other things to take mind off it afterwards yeah, but yeah let's let's get stuck into this team then we're going to start i presume with loose head prop yeah so loose head prop um so you know again nine tours so there's a number of candidates there but um <laughs> I, I narrowed it down to three so i've got tom smith um from the the 97 tour uh, getting Jenkins, you know, from the three tours that, that Getting did, uh, and uh, my final choice was uh, was Vinopola um, from uh, the last two. Yeah. From the last two, yeah, you know, Corpusero was very, very good. He was very close. David Sobler as well. Um, 
back in 89 on the Australia tour. He was superb as well. But um, yeah, they're, they're the three I, I, um, I've, I've gone with my shortlist. It's, uh, it's interesting there, just quickly on, uh, on Corbusiero. There's these players who kind of have their, almost have their finest moment on the biggest stage in the Lions jersey. And, you know, I, I, you know he's a good player, fantastic club player, Corbusier, and he had a you know, number of caps for England and struggled with injury and retired kind of early. But if you had to, if you had to pick a, a point in time, you know, that was, his, that was his moment, wasn't it? He was absolutely astonishing on that tour and, uh, and very, very important to get in the win. Absolutely. You know, as you say, there's a couple of players that do come up and really perform on the lines and you don't really see too much of them after that. And as you say, on that tour, he was he was immense. He was absolutely superb. Um, so, yeah, he's unlucky to miss out, unfortunately. But, yeah, you've got a very strong shortlist there. You know, Tom Smith, that kind of... Uh, a bit of a, a bit of a bolt from the blue, really. You know, in in making that shirt is his own in '97. Then you have got Gethin for for longevity, and uh, yeah, and and, and Mako with you know that that all action style that he that he does so well. How uh, how did how did you manage to to separate them and uh, who gets the ultimate nod? Yeah, the, the ultimate nod um, goes to Gethin. Uh, I've picked Gethin Jenkins in in the one shirt. Um, I, I thought in 2005, which we've already touched on, which is a, a disappointing tour in terms of the results, I, I thought he was one that stood out. I thought he was, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Um, I remember one kick chase, he was the first guy there. His work rate, as we know, was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and in 2009, you know, when, when when we struggled a little bit in the first test and obviously they, we made the changes in the front five and, and again, he was absolutely superb, you know, that that second test was brutal, uh, and and you know and and he stood up strong, and he had to go off unfortunately. But um, yeah, he won five tests in total, and for me, he 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 gets my my nod at uh, in the number one shirt. Yeah, I mean, just uh, you know, you, you don't need anything more from me on on why Gethin Jenkins deserves to be uh, to be in any in any kind of uh, Dream 15 because the guy has just been wonderful in whatever shirt he's he's pulled on and you're right to, to do it in five Lions tests and, uh, and and make it look not easy but just give such fantastic performances every single time. He's nothing, he's nothing short of a legend and I, and I mean that in a, Lions, in a Lions sense as well. I think you could quite arguably say he's a Lions legend. Yeah, as I say, you know, after I, I put this together, I, I noticed um, that Stuart Barnes and I think Stephen Jones has come up with a their top ten props of all time, and, and Gethin's not in there, um, which, which was a real surprise. Tom Smith was, um, so one of the mm. names I mentioned there, but Gethin wasn't, and you know, obviously those guys they, they know their their rugby union, but um, I was very surprised he didn't make the top ten. I will be honest. Um, yeah, I mean these things. These things are always, you know, they're always subjective, absolutely. and you see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stick get given out people's way. Particularly Stephen Jones, actually. Uh, not that I think he helps himself on certain occasions, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a really, it's really strange because I just, can't, I can't think how, how you could leave him out of a list like that for to to do the the work that he did at such a high level for such a long period of time. I think makes him. You know, I agree. You know, Tom Smith, I love, and and what a what a, an amazing story that was in '97. Um, but yeah, just for for the fact that getting kept coming back and kept putting those performances in, I, you know, I, I think it's it's very hard to argue against that. Yeah, as you say, you know, Tom Smith, absolutely fantastic. And, you know, we, we are talking the very elite here, aren't we? So uh, yeah, for me, getting just had a little bit more than what Tom did in his all round game. Um, so uh, yeah, that. that that's why I've gone with that selection. 
All right. What about uh, what about Hooker then? Hooker uh, again, tough, tough selection. But the three I've gone with on the short list is uh, Brian Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit biased here, maybe Matthew Reese and um, <laughs> and Keith Wood is my is my third. Let's before we get into the other two, let's uh, let's let's talk about Smiler and uh, feel free feel free to give the uh, to give the book another plug because uh, obviously you uh, you played a well you. You, you co-wrote the book with with Matthew. Is that how you describe it? Was you co-wrote or yeah, uh... yeah, we co-wrote that. Yeah, you know, Matthew um, put in a lot of time and effort into that, and um, and obviously I was privileged to uh, to help him out with that. But and and how much you know, obviously having spoken to the man and and, and documented it, uh, you know how how much did that did those lions caps mean to him? Yeah, as I say, we put the book together. Back in uh, October 2018, so uh, nearly two years now, which seems to have flown by. Um, and uh, yeah, he, the Lions for, for, for Matthew was, was everything. Um, you know, it was a huge honour for him to be selected. Um, and then obviously to cap that all off by actually playing uh, in, in the tests as well. Um, he, he, you know, he, he can't talk hardly enough about it, the whole experience, you know, being around different people that uh, used to be, you know, rivals and, you know, opponents previously, and now you're all part of the one squad and the one team. And the ethos there, you know, Ian McGee, he, he couldn't talk hardly enough about, about the experience that he had. Uh, and, and, and he said, you know, he's, he's been in some real battles, obviously, in his rugby career, but he, he always says the second test was 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 the most brutal game he he'd experienced up to then and after then as well. So uh, you know, yeah, it, it comes across in the book how, how much he he loved that experience. It's it's that that game has been you know there's been lots of rugby reshown on you know on Sky and, uh, and BBC of late, and I noticed they but you know they they've shown that Lions test a couple of times. I couldn't bring myself to watch it to be honest because I just find again it it was it was a brutal experience as a fan. You know it it was not just the physicality of it but the the heartbreak right at the end. I couldn't bring myself to go through it. You can only imagine what it must be like as a player. Yeah, you, you know it was just people just in, on there. Um, on the haunches on the ground, they couldn't believe it happened did they, at the end. And and I remember I, I watched that um, in Cardiff. I was in um, the old arcade, and, and and you know, and obviously you've had a couple of drinks, and you know, you you're with your friends, but we felt numb afterwards. You know, it, it completely brought the day down for quite a few hours afterwards. You know, you, it, it was just you 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 well, you thought the win was going to happen, and obviously. What happened at the end happened, and um, Moni Steen kicks the winning penalty. But um, again, speaking with Matthew, I, I know that afterwards the the injuries are some of the players experienced, uh, and and I don't think he's ever felt as deflated um, at the end of the game as he did at the end of that game. Yeah, again, just it shows you exactly what it means playing for the Lions. And then the other the other two players you mentioned there, called Brian Moore and uh, and Keith Wood. Uh, Players who, who had fantastic international careers uh, with their nations, but again had really, really good tours. You know, more in in what eighty seven and uh, and ninety three, and then Keith Wood in ninety seven and two thousand and one. To uh, you know, they were almost they were almost nailed on in those um, in those series, really, weren't they? Yeah, as you say, you know, Brian Moore in that, in that uh, Australia um, series in eighty nine. You know, they had to front up. <laughs> and they certainly did that in, in the forwards, you know, Moore and uh, Die Young and people like that, you know, Ackford, 
that was that was a really good pack of forwards as um, the Lions had out, and uh, you know Brian Moore was was front and centre of that. You know, he, he was a hell of a player, and uh, he, he certainly wouldn't back down from a challenge. So uh, you know, he was a, a great Lions player. Uh, what about uh, what about the, the the final decision then? How do you how did you go about separating these three? Yeah, for, for me, you know, again, three great players. They, they had great moments in the Lions shirt, but for me, Keith Woods, you, you know, was was you know that, that ninety seven tour. Um, you know, you hacking the ball down the field at the end of the game, chasing after kicks, and he was just absolutely unbelievable. Um, Two thousand one, very similar. You had a very very strong tour. Um, you know, in '97, he tore his hamstring. At the, at, at, so he's growing at the end of the game. He's still, you know, on the pitch, still trying to chase, chase around, make tackles. And he, he was, to me, when you talk about, you know, Lions greats and and top Lions people of all time, and Keith Wood needs to come into that conversation. You know, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he does. And do you know what? I'd quite forgotten the. Um... In that '97 tour, the in the in the second test, this was doing the rounds on Twitter the other day. But he uh, he steals the ball at the off the back of a, a South African line out, hacks it sixty yards downfield, and from the resulting line out, that's where um, that's where the, the Jerry Gusket drop goal comes from. I think is it? All oh, right, okay. I, I remember I think... the hack downfield. I got I, I haven't seen that clip for a while, so I'll have to have a look at that. But um, yeah, for from memory. You know, I just remember that '97 tour just being more of the guy. You know, and, and obviously, like many rugby fans, you've all seen the video and the DVD. You know, he's just what a character as well, isn't it? You know, and what a player, what a player he was. Yeah, great choice. Who uh, who's on the shortlist to to complete the front row then when it comes to the three shirt? Yeah, so the three I've gone with a tight heads. Uh, I've got Taf Furlong um, from the recent tour, uh, Adam Jones, and Paul Wallace. Is the three I've gone with there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, very you know, very uh, very different players, I guess. But one thing there's you're never going to be able to escape escape from on on any Lions tour, and that even includes going to Australia. Is you're always going to need a good set piece, and you're always going to need some uh, some good scrummage in, and that's something that that all three of those players have uh, have been able to contribute over the years. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, because because Wallace went, I think, in in one as well, didn't he? Um, I, I, I just, think I'm right in saying that but again he was a real surprise package in 97 you know that I think so many people were expecting the English props to to get those shirts and and Paul Wallace and Tom Smith ended up pulling them on and doing such a good job in the test series um and then yeah Adam Jones again so so important to uh in in that second test to come in and, and make such a difference you know it's it's just one of those things there's no escaping scrummaging when it comes to Lions tours. No, not at all. As you say, on, on that 97 tour, I think most um, rugby writers and fans thought there was going to be Leonard at Loosehead and Die Young at Tighthead. And, and as you say, you know, they, they changed that. They, they wanted to go with a, a lower a, a, um, scrummaging angle, if you like. Uh, and, and obviously Tom Smith and Paul Wallace fit that bill and, you know, and what a job they did. Um, Adam Jones, again, you know, that first test, obviously Phil Vickery was in all kinds of trouble. Um, as was the front five, really, uh, and obviously then we then see the Welsh front row, and uh, you know what a difference that made. And Adam Jones, as we all know, you know what, what a scrimmage he was. Um, so yeah, tough choice this one, really tough choice. It was. Who uh, who gets the nod? Uh, I've gone just because that '97 tour was just so unbelievable, um, and obviously there's a bit of a surprise, and obviously up against Osdurant as well. It was 
arguably the best loose head in the world at that time. I've just gone with Paul Wallace um, as my choice. I know the Frank Cotton who knows a thing or two about props. He, he, he said just how good Paul Wallace was on that tour. So, um, yeah, for me, he just he just gets the nod. So uh, I've gone with Paul Wallace in number three. Well, yeah, there's, there's, there can be no... Uh... There can be no denying what a, what a fantastic tour he had there, as we, as we said before. So getting Jenkins, Keith Wood and Paul Wallace make out the front row. And I reckon that's a pretty good balance between them, isn't it? It's a very mobile front row. It is a mobile front row, yeah. But as you touched on earlier, you know, they, they can scrimmage. You know, two of the 97 um, tourists in there um, and, and Gethin, who, you know, you could do a all, couldn't he? So, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good front row, even if I do say so myself. Oh well, absolutely. And when you've when you've been picking this, has it just been a question of right picking the the best player there, or have you thought about how they might play together as well? Yeah, it's been a little bit of it. Obviously, you know, I've been thinking about how they performed in in their particular test series. Um, obviously, that was a, a, a big factor. But again, like you mentioned there, obviously, I, th- I thought about you know how they would work as a as a group. Um, obviously, you need goal kicks, etc. So yeah, I've tried to think about other factors rather than just how they performed. You know, how would they perform if it was such a team put together? Okay, well let's uh, let's have a look at uh, second row then and see uh, and see what uh, what kind of beasts you've got for us in the engine room. Yeah, so obviously I've gone with obviously six uh, locks to choose from uh, for the two two positions there. So the locks I've got is Paul Ackford, Martin Johnson, Maru Atoji, Simon Shaw, Paul O'Connell, and Alan Wynne Jones. Interesting. So there's, yeah, a couple, some, uh, there's a couple of people who are unlucky there, to be honest. But uh, yeah, there's six I've gone with. Well, yeah, and some real, uh, some real different, uh, different styles of players within there as well. You know, you've got some out and out enforcers and some real athletes like uh, like a Toji in there. Um, yeah, talk talk us through the two who you've picked and uh, and why they've got the nod over the others. Okay, so the, the two I've gone with are gone with Martin Johnson uh, and Simon Shaw. Um, Martin Johnson again you know Toro Keith would be a legend and Martin Johnson deservedly needs to be in that conversation as well um, you know captain of two times on the tours um, tourist three times on what a player you know what a leader um, again 97 in South Africa he was just on another level again um, I remember the one provincial game when he's gold wrote three Queenslanders <laughs> holding them off um, just a fantastic player, great in the lineout, great leader, ball carrier, made his tackles. Yeah, you know, for me, Martin Johnson in in the lock position was was quite a straightforward choice, if I'm honest. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of it's kind of the beauty of the Lions as well, because Martin Johnson is a player who. I used to hate yep. when he was playing for England, you know, and you do because mainly it's partly a compliment because because he was so good, but also he's horrible, he's abrasive, he was physical, but that's what made him such a fantastic player. And then you get this joy, you know, uh, every every four years, uh, and what we got we got to see on three occasions uh, of seeing him pull on the red of uh, the red of the Lions and getting to, to cheer them on, and that's kind of the beauty of the Lions, isn't it? Is you do get these these unique experiences where players who otherwise you, you struggle to like becoming your heroes for six weeks. Yeah, you're right. You, you know, I remember like in the early 2000s of we were, when Wales were getting thrashed by England nearly every year. And I, I, I'm with you. I couldn't, I could not stand him. It was, it was a couple, but Johnson, I couldn't stand Matt Dawson. I couldn't stand, um, you, you know, but as you say, when they put on the, the red lion shirt, you know, you, you then see them a different light and you respect just how good they are um, and he, he, was, he was just a fantastic player 
I tell you a player who doesn't fall into that bracket though and that's Simon Shaw because I always feel even though he had 70 odd caps for England I only ever really remember him playing for the Lions and he did you know did a fantastic job in 97 but had to wait 12 years to get his first cap and what a performance it was yeah you know as you say what a story you know it goes to South Africa in 97 and I and I'm sure others fully expect him to be the, the partner for Martin Johnson and Jamie Davison, who was unlucky to miss out, you know, what, what tour he had. And then, you know, 2009, he's back in South Africa. Was he 35 years of age? I think it was. Yeah. You know, and then that second, that second test performance, you know, if you've seen it recently when he was on Sky, what a performance. You, you know, he, he is absolutely everywhere. Is he 19 hours stone, whatever he is, six seven six eight? He was absolutely everywhere and he was just phenomenal and afterwards you know the interview he had with I think it was with Graham Simmons it is mm. it is emotionally tough to watch because that guy has waited all those years and and like he said you know he, he won man of the match you know which doesn't normally happen if you're if you're on the losing side yeah. but to win man of the match he, he would have he, would, he wouldn't have bothered winning man of the match if he meant the Lions winning and he, and he openly says that in the interview uh yeah as I say, the third test, he's very, very good as well. That second test performance, he was superb, absolutely superb. And i tell you what, it speaks volumes that, uh, that you've managed to leave Alan Wynne-Jones out, again, just from a from a longevity point of view, to have to have done all those tests in, yeah, in 09, 13 and 17. Yeah. Uh, you know, have, uh, having uh, also, you know, led them in uh, in one of those tests too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that he's Alan Wynne-Jones and it's our Welsh podcast, uh, that just shows you how, uh, how impressive Simon Shaw was. Exactly. Anybody that knows me knows how much I think of Alan Wynne Jones. He's he's one of the Welsh greats, um, and, and he was very very close. But you know Simon Shaw, as I say, I, I was just that that performance that second test. I know you can't be really just looking at one game alone, but it was so so good. I was so impressed that you know, for me, he he has to get into into my team. Absolutely right. Let's uh, let's have a look at the back row. We always talk about balance in the back row, but. Uh... I suppose this this must be a really hard pick because you've got so many good players to choose from, and then you've got to try and uh, try and create something where you've got uh, three players who could uh, who could in theory play together as well. Exactly, the back row, as, as, as is often the case, I, I struggle with <laughs> because, as you say, there's so many good players you know available, and as you say, you're trying to think of a mix. Um, so yeah, to be honest, out of all the positions, this was probably the hardest picking the back row. So okay, right. We'll talk us through uh, talk us through the blind side first. Okay, so blind side, I have got uh, Mike Mike Teague. Too much. I've picked six, and some of them some of them have played in two positions. So if you want, yeah. I'll go through the six I've picked for the blind side yeah, and for the okay. open side. So it, so, yeah. so it's Mike Teague, Ben Clark, Lance Delalio, Peter Winterbottom, Richard Hill, and Sam Warburton. Four or five Englishmen for a start. <laughs> um, but I tell you what, actually, and, and I'm going to address a small bugbear of mine. Um, and that's like, particularly in the social media age, it really annoys me how much we get kind of hung up on uh, on how many people are in there from from different nationalities and stuff. That's That, for me, completely 
ignores what's brilliant about the Lions. And that's the fact that, as we've just said there, you can cheer on players regardless. And actually, all of those players you've, you've mentioned there, you know, I, I remember thinking Ben Clark, ben Clark in 93 was absolutely incredible. Yeah. And uh, again, you know, one of those players who his, high, his highlight of international career was very much in uh, in the red of the Lions, in my opinion. He had some good games for England, but I don't think he ever reached those those same heights again. Um, and that's the kind of, that's the kind of beauty of it. So yeah, slipping off on a on a slight tangent there, but I do you know I do think it's really important that whoever the you know whoever the coach picks, and we'll all have our opinions, and we'll all you know we'll all kind of want our own players to to get on the tour. I think it's so so important that once that decision is made, you you know you get behind it and. You can, you, we kind of, you know, stop being so parochial. Yeah, I agree. You know, obviously, in an ideal world, you want a blend of, of, of all countries playing, but it doesn't work like that, does it? And at the end of the day, it's going to be the best players and the best mixes of players that, that mix that line squad. And if that means it's, it's top heavy of England or top heavy of Wales or whatever, then, as you say, you get behind them. You know, it's, it's quite straightforward, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, as you say, Ben Clark, you know, I remember Ben Clark playing like an eight, and I think, yeah, he's not a bad player, but I didn't think anything more than that. But as you say, when he played a six in 93, you know, even New Zealand said, I'm impressed the word by him. He, he was he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And Mike Teague, similar. You know, Mike Teague played a lot at eight, but in 89, you know, a blind side, he, well, he was a man sees, he was incredible, absolutely incredible. But his ball carrying was well, he, he he was the main ball carrier for England, um, for England and for the Lions um, during that period. You know, he was superb. Yeah, and uh, and talking to players, you know, wearing different different numbers on their back. You know, uh, Hill and uh, and Delalio wore kind of uh, strange numbers at, at various at various points. Yeah, and um, again, I think you know that particularly looking at ninety seven. There were so many. There were so many back row contenders that it, you know. And again, you see it on that DVD. It was a real headache for the selectors to actually nail down their their final um, their final selections for who should play in those tests. It was. You know, it, it was. It was a, a, a train of thought there for Neil Back to come in, wasn't there? And they just couldn't get a place for him. Really, you know, Richard Hill was playing so well at seven, and Delalio and Tim Robber were just working so well six and eight. You know, and, and that's how it works, isn't it? You know, sometimes you might want to bring a fetcher in, but, you know, as Neil Back was, but if your back row is working as well, it was, why make that change? So, um, you know, great memories. And, and, and as you say, the 97 DVD and video, I can't I can't even remember how many times I watched it, especially when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more now, to be yeah. honest. But, uh, you know, it, it was just great watching, wasn't it? It was, and and you know what the the amazing thing about that is the the guy keeping him out, uh, keeping Neil back out of the side there was um, uh, was Tim Rodbo, wasn't it? Who again just had a fa- you know he's not even on your shortlist. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe he is when he comes to eight. We'll, we'll we'll come back to that. But you know what an amazing tour uh, he had, and uh, and yeah, keeping keeping back out of the side in those in those uh, crucial first two tests. But who are the who are the two flankers you've gone for? The two flankers I've gone for, I've gone for Richie Hill six, and I've gone for Sam Warburton seven. Um, Richard Hill, as, as I mentioned, in '97 played um, at seven, but then um, 2001 and in 2005 he had two outings in the six shirt. So I've kind of I've kind of changed a little bit here because I just think that Hill and Warburton would work so well, I, and I thought they were both absolutely brilliant for the Lions. Um, going on to Sam, you know, obviously twice captain, um, twice winning captain as well. 
Um, and again, that, that second test performance, you know, I, I mentioned about Simon Shaw in 2009. Sam, four years later in Australia, that second test, that's as good as an open side performance I think I've ever seen, if I'm honest. He was absolutely, he was everywhere. And he was such a nuisance. The turnover balls he won. And in the end, he, he came off injured because Australia were just, I think, had three or four people just hitting him all the time, just trying to get him off the ball. He, he was brilliant. Yeah, as individual performances go, I absolutely agree. It's it, it's up there with the with Simon Shaw's and and these these individual um, individual performances that you just look at players and go, God, they're everywhere. They are absolutely everywhere today, and it's like a superhuman effort. And the thought of Hill and Warburton playing together, you're right. That's uh, that's pretty mouthwatering, isn't it? Because I always think you saw the best out of Sam when you when you had. Uh, when you had Danny Lydiate alongside him yeah. because, you know, he did so much, so much tackling and dirty work and, and Hill was such an unfussy flanker, but his work rate was incredible and he just got through, just got through tons of the donkey work that meant that, uh, you know, whoever was playing at seven or um, or eight, it, it made their job that little bit easier. Yeah, and go back to what we talked about earlier about you know, England players who couldn't stand when they wore the white jersey. Richard Hill never fell into that category. I, I, no, I, I agree. I, he was one I always, I always respected and I always had a soft spot for him. It, it's, it's strange, but um, yeah, I, I never looked him that way. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Dawson, Delanio, uh, even Greenwood, actually. I, yeah. I never, because he always, he always bloody scored against <laughs> Wales. Um, you know, all of those players, they, they really used to, they really used to annoy me when they played. But yeah, Hill was, he was never one of those. I think just because what he did was so, there was never any histrionics with, with Richard Hill, was there? There was never any of the kind of, uh, the stuff you'd see from Delalio where he's right up in, in people's faces. It was always just purely about the, purely about the work. And you, you couldn't help but respect that. No, not at all. And, and again, going back to the 2001 tour, you know, when he, when he was playing first test and he was cleaning up George Smith, you know, he, he nullified George Smith in that first test. And why the Lions changed in the second test to bring in Neil back, I, I'll never understand really, because they had Corey, Quinnell and Hill. And it worked perfectly. And then for the second test, they dropped Corey, moved Hill to six, and brought Neil back in. And and it didn't quite work as well. But when Richard Hill, you know, got absolutely slammed by Nathan Gray off the ball, that was a huge turning point in the test series. You know, because yeah. he wasn't available to, for selection then. And and obviously we know what happened then in the second and third. But um, great player, absolutely great player. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And obviously, on that tour, you you know you had some some real standout individual performances. Again, you know uh, Wood, who we've already mentioned. Of course, that was O'Driscoll's breakthrough yeah. uh, breakthrough Lions tour. But you know I, there was an argument for Richard Hill being the most important player in that side, in my opinion. And and I agree. Well, I think I said this on last week's part actually. Um, that yeah, that when um, when Hill gets when Hill gets taken out. Everything changed, you know. The, the whole the whole series just seemed to uh, seemed to hinge around that around that moment in time. And without him, they weren't the same side. Yeah, and that just shows how good a player he was. You know, that, that two thousand one series, you know, before the first test, and including the first test, they they were absolutely they were superb. Lions, you know, some of those performances, some of those tries were, were as good as, as in ninety seven. Um, but uh, yeah, there's no doubt it was a turning point. But um, yeah, I, I think Hale and Warburton would, would work very, very well together. So that's, that's my uh, my two flankers. Well, I tell you what, whoever's playing number eight is uh, has got a, has got a, the the, <laughs> the, the honour of playing next to these two, I reckon. But I, I'm sure there's some uh, 
some pretty interesting picks. Who uh, who's the shortlist for number eight? Okay, so the three I've gone with um, is Tim Robber, which you've already touched upon there. Um, <laughs> I know, I almost ruined it. <laughs> you almost <laughs> ruined that for me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Dean Richards, who eighty nine and ninety three was was excellent as well. Uh, and the third choice I've gone with is uh, Tolupe Falatau. Yeah. Don't. Yeah, I, I mean some uh, real, real different players there. Actually, I mean, you know, Richard, Richards is your old school number eight, yeah. isn't he? You know, proper. You know, I, I imagine D. Richards could probably still do a job playing for a club. You know what I mean, like a uh, an amateur club, because he's just still got that that bulk and would know how to carry a ball. And then you got Rodbury could play in the second row as well, and and Toby's a very you know a very modern athletic uh, athletic style number eight. So you've got some yeah some real interesting uh, variety of players there. Um, let's let's talk about Tim Rodbury as it as you know I uh, I almost uh, ruined it for you, but um, he, he did have a fantastic tour in uh, in ninety seven, didn't he? Yeah, you know Scott Cornell was very close to those three, and obviously he was on that tour, um, and and I thought. Again, I thought Scott Quillell would get the, the eight shirt, but um, for that '97 Test series, but you know Tim Robber fully deserved it. You know, such a hard guy. His defensive work was, was superb. Great lineout option. He could ball carry, um, and he, he was just tough as teak on it. He, he was just a, a proper old school type of number eight. Um, as you say, he played lock as well quite a bit uh, later on in his career, but uh, a superb player. And uh, on that '97 tour, he, he was he was great at eight for uh, for the Lions. Yeah, real uh, real versatile player that you that you want on the tour, don't you? Because uh, I think particularly a tour like that where you've got a lot of dirt tracking games in some pretty grisly places, you know. And this is long before the days of uh, of TMOs, and there was only a certain degree of sighting out there. He's, he's definitely the kind of player you'd want, you know, who could do a job for you on on the Saturday. And he's, you know, he's he's coming off the bench midweek uh, and and filling in at, at lock or at flanker or wherever, just because he's, you know, he's able to do that. And you know, he wouldn't be taking a backward step either. No, not at all. You say I, I don't think you'd lose him off tour, would you, if he wasn't selected for uh, the test positions? You know, you, he he was a proper, you know, old school type of player. He, he could easily captain the midweek team, as you say. He, he could slot in on on a Saturday as well, play six, eight, or or in the second row. And uh, yeah, he was, he was a very very good player. He certainly was right. Who uh, who is it who gets the nod though? Okay, so uh, I've given the eight shirt to Falatau. Um I thought you know 2013. You know when he comes into the side, he was excellent. He was only a young man at that point, and uh, in New Zealand, you know on the last tour, he was fantastic. And obviously that try scores in the second test. You know the, the speed of footwork to get outside and get in the corner and I just think you know when Falatau is is fully firing fully fit he's as good as a number eight in the world you know I know there's fans out of Napola believe in Napola and I understand he's a fantastic player but if both of those are fit I'm picking Falatau eight every time you know I just prefer the athletic version he gives you yeah, it's. I mean, it's so tricky. I think I flippantly said, you know, when when Billy got injured in 2017, I think I flippantly kind of said, uh, you know, oh, that's a, that's a real shame for Billy that he's not got the, the spot on the bench um, <laughs> because I, you know, I just think I just think Toby's so good. He is. Um, prove, yeah, they're, they're both world class players. They they absolutely are. But um, you know, again, he, you're right. He offers you that something different. And in New Zealand, where you really do need that that degree of um, athleticism all across the pitch having him out on the wing to score that try 
Um, you know, in a way, I, I wouldn't have wanted that ball to go to anyone else, and I include the wingers in that. Mm. You need to, you, you wanted that ball to go to Toby at that point because you trusted him to to get the ball over the line, to ride the tackle and uh, and get it down as he did. It's, it's. I know it's not a spectacular try in terms of it being a, you know, a, like that, like the one in the in the first test uh, that Sean O'Brien scores, but it is. It is a very, very well taken try, and it was so, so crucial in getting that result. Yeah, you know, like, like you say, we look at his skill set. He, he does everything well, doesn't he? You know, he, he's, his footwork is great. You know, retreating scrum. He, he's got quick hands, and the try setter for Reese Webb is brilliant. You know, down when playing England, kick off return. He's very, very good. He's good at line outs. You know, and, and I just think he's got that little bit of extra pace and dynamism in his game, um, which just tips him over the edge for me. And and that's why I've, I've picked him at eight uh, in my Lions team. Well, it's an awesome-looking pack of Gethin Jenkins, Keith Wood, Paul Wallace, Martin Johnson, Simon Shaw, Richard Hill, Sam Warburton and Talupe Falatau. And we're going to find out who you've gone for in the backs after this very, very short break. Right, let's get um, to the backs now, Craig. Uh, we're going to start, obviously, with scrum half. There's been some incredible performances during this uh, during this. 83 to uh, to 2017 period. Uh, at this point, it's worth mentioning, no one from the 83 era has uh, has got in yet, have they? Not in the actual dream team. No, you're right. No, there hasn't been. Um, so um, it was a couple of very close, but uh, no, nobody's actually made that, that 15 as yet. Let's uh, yeah, let's have a look at who the options you've gone for at, uh, at Scrum Half. And uh, I imagine them, there must be some uh, there must be some some Welsh interest in here because it's been a position that uh, uh, that, that there's there's always been a, there's always been a Welshman in, in that squad really throughout that game time. Yeah, you're right, and two of the three are Welsh, um, so that, no real surprise when you think back to the, the tours I'm talking about. Um, you know, I, I mentioned about the back row, about how difficult that was. Scrum half was very difficult as well. Um, there's been some great performances from individuals at, at Scrum half, but um, the three I've chosen um, as the shortlist is Dowie Morris, Robert Jones. And Mike Phillips. So Rob Howley and Connor Murray just named two are very, very unfortunate to miss out on this. But uh, I was convinced Rob Howley was going to be uh, was going to be one of those three. Yeah, he was close. Ninety-seven, obviously, he had that bad injury, didn't he, um, against yeah. Natal? But two thousand one, um, two of those tests, he was he was right on it again, um, and he was very, very, very close. Um, but he just missed out, unfortunately. All right, talk talk us through uh, talk us through those three players then one by one. Okay, so Dowie Morris, um, another England player I didn't particularly like <laughs> back in the day. Well, there's well, there's yeah, there's there's plenty of reasons. There's a reason behind. Well, there's a reason there? behind yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how how dare he not play for Wales? But um, well, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a place to start, isn't it? But um, on that tour, um, he came in on the second test, I think, from memory it was, and he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, you know, behind a, a pack that, you know, they, they, they were probably coming out equal. They certainly weren't coming out on top, but he was getting messy ball, but he was taking on back rowers. And when you think about that 93 New Zealand team, you know, they, they were such a good side. Um, and, and he was excellent in that second test. Um, third test as well, you know, he, he was superb in that test as well. Which unfortunately, we just came up short. But, um, you know... Rob Howley was very, very close, but I just remember how good he was, in that, especially in that second test, and, mm. and that just got him on the shortlist rather than Rob, unfortunately. 
Fair enough. And yeah, what about the other two? Rob Jones, um, obviously 89 in the Nick Farr Jones spat. Mm. Um, you know, who would have thought Robert Jones would be starting off fights? But um, <laughs> again, he, he was a great control in nine, great kicking game, superb service. And, uh, you know, he, he was one of the stars of that 89 tour, um, you know, with a pack who were fighting away and scrapping for everything. He, he just had that control. Um, and him and Rob Andrew, you know, played at 10. I just thought they controlled the game very, very well. So, so he, he gets on the short list. And the final one is Mike Phillips. Um, obviously, 2009... Very, very different player to, uh, <laughs> very, very different. Different to the other to the other. Two, yeah, you wouldn't really expect him to start a fight, wouldn't you? And like Rob Jones. But, um, <laughs> yeah, 2009, he was superb. He's arguably one of the best scrum halves in the world. Uh, and in 2013, he started the first test, dropped the second, comes back for the third. And obviously, you know, we win that and we win the series. So um, three very, very good players, good Lions players. Um, so they're my shortlist. I'd completely forgotten he was dropped for that uh, for that second test. I had, uh, yeah, that that completely slipped my mind. Yeah, things do, don't they? It's, it's only as I say when I started looking into this again, you know, sort of things in, come back into your mind. And yeah, um, he, you know, Mike Phillips when, when he's uh, when he's discarded and then you bring him back in, that's, that's normally when he's was his best. So um, you know, he, he was excellent in that third test. Yeah, he was. I mean, a, a real big game player, wasn't he, Mike Phillips? Yeah. You're right. And, and and in both those series, was up against arguably the best scrum half in the world in Fury de Prier in in '09, and then Will Genier in uh, in 2013. Yeah. And both both occasions, you know, particularly that third test for uh, for the Lions, you, you know, he showed just how because again, he, he didn't have the natural, you know, he didn't have the natural kicking game that de Prier had. He didn't have the uh, perhaps the speed or service that Genier had, but his ability to take the intensity up that one extra level, I just think was, was what made him such a, such a brilliant competitor. And he did it, you know, he did it for Wales time and time again. He made the most of what he had and, and always performed when it mattered. Yeah. As you say, he was, he was, he was certainly a, you know, a, a test animal, wasn't he? As they say, um, great player. You know, if he got scragged at the base, you know, he had the strength to hold it. He could drive it, you know, set it back again so we can reset. He, he was just a, a very, very good player. He was right. Um, you know, all three of them fantastic players, and like you say, you know, to to keep the likes of Rob Howley out of there is uh, is no small feat. But who is it that you're going to go for? Yeah, I actually have gone with Mike Phillips um, as, as my scrum half. Um, as I said, I thought, I thought 2009, as you, as you said there, Floyd Dupree was was arguably the best, probably were the best two in the world. Those mm-hmm. pair, and I thought he was great. I thought he was superb. Um, you know, he even shot a centre, didn't he, in the third test as well? He, he, he didn't perform too badly there. Um, and, and I'm sure he was confident he could perform well there as well. So, um, yeah, I, I just thought he was he was excellent on, on the two tours. Um, so he, he just gets the nod for me just over Rob Jones. Yeah, great choice. Right, uh, outside half. Let's uh, let's have a look at the contenders here. Yeah, so my outside half is it's a, a difficult one as well. Um, I've gone with. From 2001, I've gone with Johnny Wilkinson. Um, I've gone with Gregor Townsend from 97. And um, the final person on the shortlist is Johnny Sexton um, from the 2013 and 2017 tour. Um, so Rob Andrew, very unlucky to miss out. And, and Stephen Jones as well, um, especially in 2009. He played a bit in 2005, 2009. He was, he was, he was excellent at 10. So uh, those two are very unlucky to miss out. 
Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, but you know, both um, putting some big performances for the Lions. But of those uh, of those that you've selected, again, what are you thinking about who you know who would be a good complement to, to Mike Phillips? Because I'd be tempted if this was me to look at playing him and Wilkinson. And you've just got you've just got um, you know such a teak hard uh, pair of halfbacks, particularly if you're in South Africa or somewhere like that. That you do you know no no one's getting any any change out of those two that would be my thinking but yeah talk, talk us through yours yeah it's a joint wilderness in 2001 had a very good tour you know and and, and you know we, we we know how good his kicking game is but like you say defensively he's he was as strong a 10 as, as as i've probably seen um sometimes he was he was too brave for his own good but um great tactically minded game he could throw a long pass. He, he, he just, you know, his, his vision of the field was superb. Um, so yeah, you know, Johnny Wilkinson, a great goal kicker. Obviously, depending on who it's going to pick a fullback, I might need a ten who's a great goal kicker. So, you know, those things coming to, in, into your mind. Gregor Townsend, obviously, his kicking game was nowhere near as strong as what Johnny's was. Um, but you know, what a maverick! And they talk of Finn Russell being that type of player. But you know, Gregor Townsend in the late nineties, early two thousands. You know, I remember a game against France for Scotland and he tore him apart. Mm. You know, he, he was a superb player. Um, so, yeah. It's the one where he, uh, he he put in Gavin Hastings under the sticks. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, amazing. The little, the, the, the pass, the, the old Tooney flip at the back. Yeah, wonderful, yeah. wonderful performance that was. So, yeah, you know, you know, and for McGeek in the pick, you know, at Townsend at 10, rather than, say, a Neil Jenkins type player, just shows a kind of, you know the, the vision and the balance they wanted to get in, in their side. Um, you know, not not many would probably have picked Gregor against South Africa as your test ten. But um, you know, fair play to McGeek and we're doing that. Is uh, is he going to get the nod for you though? Well, I, I understand what you say about Johnny Wilkinson, but I've gone with Sexton here. Um, All right, there we go. I thought again in 2013 in Australia. Um, I thought he was great. You know, some of his lines are running and bringing people on like Jamie Roberts and Alex Cuthbert, John and Davis, big, big time, big guys, big runners. Um, I, I just thought his, his game time intelligence in 2013 was, was top level. Uh, and I also thought in 2017 where he hadn't had the greatest year beforehand and obviously he's, he's taken a number of knocks over his career. And a lot of people felt you know, potentially his lines days were done and they're going to go with Fowler 10. I just thought that the two options of Fowler and and Sexton playing 10-12 and an automating between the two. I, I thought he played very, very well for, for the Lions. So, so he gets the uh, the 10 shirt for me. Yeah, you're right. He, uh, he has been so important on uh, on two tours, hasn't he? And uh, you've seen how important he's been for Ireland over the years. He's, uh, you know, I, I think particularly if you look at, if you look at 17, um, that axis between him and uh, obviously, obviously with Murray inside him, but also, with Owen Farrell outside him, I think that was really pivotal to to keeping the Lions in those, particularly in the third test, keeping us in with a shout for uh, for a long period of that time. And he's he's obviously held in such high regard by uh, by Gatland that you know you wouldn't be surprised to see him go next next time round as a thirty six year old. So it's uh, yeah yeah I mean the, the the guy has has put in some seriously good performances for uh, for the Lions. So yeah, can't uh, cannot grumble with that. Um, let's have a look at your centres next. Okay, so um, inside centres, the three who are on the shortlist, I've gone with Scott Gibbs, Jamie Roberts, and I was close to Owen Farrell, but I've actually gone with Rob Henderson, um, who mm. on the 2001 tour was, was superb. Um, 
So they're the three that are on the short list for the, the inside centre slot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose Henderson and Roberts uh, and, and Gibbs, they're all very, very physical players, aren't they? And um, I think particularly uh, particularly Gibbs kind of 97 version when he come back from league and, and what he did to Oz Duran. Um, but all players who uh, all players who, you know, were, were really happy with the with the physical stuff and getting getting stuck into the opposition. Yeah, again, Rob Henderson um, was a player who, who I thought, you know, was a good a good international. I, I didn't see him as being a top class player, but again, on our tour, um, you know, he, he showed a kicking game as well. He, he showed more game intelligence than I thought he actually had in his locker, which is no disrespect to the guy, because obviously I wasn't watching Rob Henderson week in, week out. But mm. um, on that tour, because obviously you are watching it on a regular basis, he, he, he surprised me. He really surprised me, and, and he had a great tour. Yeah, he did. And, uh, it's interesting again looking at looking at some of the balance. You can see Sexton having you know having any one of those three players outside him, and uh, and knowing he's got uh, knowing he's got you know real solid uh, real solid centre to um, to either truck it up or, or or take it on when when things are when things are there. Let's talk about the other two though. Let's you know let, let's go with Jamie Roberts. I mean it's he's kind of the forgotten man of Welsh rugby really. When you think all the the fantastic performances he's he's had for Wales and for the Lions. You kind of forget he's still playing, really. Yeah, you do. And I think sometimes he's a little bit unfortunate that obviously he gets stained with the Warren Ball thing. You know, that he's only a big slamming centre, and um, he's got far more to his game than that, Jamie. Um, you know, I, I remember when I watched him play for, for Cardiff Blues, and he, he started out at fullback, and then he played on the wing. And you know, he, he, he's an intelligent footballer. He, he's got, he's got a passing game. He's got a kicking game. Um, but obviously, as things developed and evolved, he was—he obviously was down to him to be the main ball carrier for Wales. So, you know, the, the one-dimensional thing that he's tagged with, I think, is a bit unlucky. And on that 9 tour, him and O'Driscoll, you know, some of the, the, the interchange play between them, the little flick passes, just showed there was so much more to his game than um, than, than, than was being portrayed, really. Yeah, they absolutely terrified the South Africa defence on uh, on that occasion. It was such it was such a turning point when all those injuries took place in the second half. Yeah. You know, not only yeah, obviously Adam Jones in the forwards, and then but the, but those two in the in the centre were just were irresistible together, and they were they were causing so many problems. And then you know Scott Gibbs, uh, two absolutely amazing tours, and then you know kind of a bit of a cameo in in uh, two thousand and one as well. Yeah, as you say, obviously '93 went out with the New Zealand. Then obviously they had the, the his time in rugby league and '97 in the Osterbrands incident and his sheer physicality in defence and his ball carrying. And, and 2001, as you say, you know, he, he had a couple of outings there as well. So um, really, really tough. And, and as you mentioned there, like Robertson and O'Driscoll were brilliant as a partnership, and, and Gibbs and Gusco were brilliant as a partnership. So. You know, do you keep the partnership together when you're picking a dream team, or, or do you split them up? So, um, yeah, it, it was it was tough to to decide on on who you're going to pick at twelve and thirteen on this one. And who have you picked at twelve? Before we talk about thirteen, <laughs> I've gone with Scott Gibbs, um, just over Jamie Roberts. Um, as you say, I, 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 Jamie had a great tour, especially in 09, 2013 as well. You know, he, he was pretty very good in that one, but. Again, I just can't get past how good he was in '97, Scott Gibbs, um, and moments like the Oz Durant incident, and, and when he's smashing people left, right, and centre, and just you know in the huddles when he's leading some of those huddles when he got leaders like you know 
Keith Wood in there and Yoyan Evans and Martin Johnson, Delario, and, and he's leading you know the, those group of players in, in those huddles. Uh, I just couldn't look past him really. All right, well, let's have a look at the uh, the, the options outside him too, uh, and I'll be intrigued to see if you have gone for uh, uh, if you have gone for. Uh, those those players who've uh, who've partnered Scott Gibbs, obviously Gusket being the the most obvious. Does uh, does he make the shortlist? Yeah, so Gusket's on the shortlist. Um, so you got Jamie Gusket and Jonathan Davis and Brian O'Driscoll is is the three I've gone with. God, I mean that this is hard actually. I mean you've, <laughs> you've 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 mentioned some amazing players throughout, and you know virtually any any of the players you've mentioned would be uh, would be fit to grace this team, but. I mean, those three in particular, you know, Gus, Gusket was superb in, uh, you know, superb in 89 on a winning tour. Um, and then, yeah, 93 had a, another great outing. 97 scored the scored the winning drop goal. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Davis, astonishing in, in, in two series. Uh, and then you've, uh, uh, yeah, oh God, who's the third you've said? I've completely forgotten that. O'Driscoll. O'Driscoll. Yeah, and then you've got O'Driscoll who spans, you know, spans from... Uh, uh, 2001 to uh, to 2013, and 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 dominated, uh, you know, in most of those series, except for except for 05, where he had the the the, uh, the injury really early on. I mean, this this is a really tough pick. This this is incredibly tough. Um, I actually changed it this morning as well because <laughs> <laughs> I, I had gone one way. I, I decided, um, I mean, looked a couple of YouTube clips and, and read up a little bit more. I, I've changed my mind, but um, as you say, Jonathan Davis. You know, man of the series, Jamie Guscott wins you a test series, and O'Driscoll and, and what he brought to the Lions. You know, what a tough choice. So, what is it? Who, who is going to get the nod? Well, I've split the partnerships up. Um, the first thing I've gone with is O'Driscoll. So, when you've got O'Driscoll, Roberts, and Gibbs Guscott, I've split them completely up here. So, I've gone with Brian O'Driscoll uh, and Scott Gibbs as my midfield partners. They're, uh, they're two players you'd love to see play together. I suppose that is because it's controversial breaking up these partnerships. But if you're going to do it, having the thought of those two playing together would be amazing. Imagine, yeah, Pete Gibbs and Pico Driscoll uh, playing their stuff for the Lions. That's uh, that's some thought. It is, yeah. You know, especially you know, with the forwards being on the front foot um, and Sexton, you know, supplying his passes and the run on to. You have a your midfield be terrified, wouldn't they? You know, I think yeah. Gibbs coming straight at you, or Driscoll, the his speed of thought and his, his speed of foot. Yes, yeah, scary proposition. Yeah, or or both. You, or both you, you coming at you, Driscoll, <laughs> and then you get yeah, then you get flattened by Gibbs at the next one. Uh, mm. Yeah, that's a yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic looking partnership. Then let's uh, let's let's go to the uh, to the back three, and we'll start with the wingers. Okay, so the, the wingers I've gone with, um, on the right wing, the three I've picked is Yoyan Evans, uh, Tommy Bow, and Anthony Watson. Mm. Um, David James is always a lucky here because 2001 he was superb um, on, 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 the, on the right yeah. wing. Um, try, try scoring in the first test. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, they're the three I've gone with uh, on, on the shortlist for the right wing position. Okay, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, uh, Yoyan Evans had. Uh, the, uh, the, the uh, yeah again a, a winner uh, a winner on two tours and a, and a very good tour in '93. Um, Anthony Watson, I suppose, is the slightly uh, the slightly unexpected pick out of that. I'm, I'm a very very big fan of his, but um, yeah, perhaps wasn't quite expecting him uh, to make this shortlist. What uh, what gets him there ahead of some of the other candidates? Yeah, I, I, on the right wing, you know, there was a couple of people I was looking at, and and, and they all had. Reasonable. John Bentley was very close, um, but obviously he didn't really play in a test, did he? So, so uh, 
I was looking, obviously, at how they performed in the Test Series. Um, so, yeah, there were some players who were close, but, you know, Anthony Watson, I thought, defensively was very, very good. And when he did get a ball in hand, he was dangerous. You know, he, he obviously, he, he carries well. He, he's, he's deceptively strong. Uh, and obviously putting his uh, jaw on uh, Sonny Bill's forearm oh. helped as well. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yes, he, it, did, yeah. he, he just got, he just got into, the, into the three positions for me. Does uh, does he manage to make it into the uh, uh, into the starting lineup though? No, he doesn't. Um, I've gone with Yian Evans um, on the right wing. Um, you know, he played in seven tests, as you say, twice uh, a winning tourists. You know, he scored. I think it was four tries he scored in New Zealand in '93, which is pretty impressive. Um, great player, never let anybody down, and uh, you know, and, and, a, and a great Lions tourist. Yeah, certainly was. Uh, intrigued to see who you've got on uh, on the other flank. Who are the shortlisted players there? So on the left wing, I've gone with uh, George North, uh, Rory Underwood, and Jason Robinson. Yeah, so two ab- two absolute speedsters and uh, and one beast. Yeah, you know we, we all remember the Israel Falau incident, and, and obviously that great try score as well. George, he, he was he was excellent in two thousand thirteen. Um, again, similar to Roberts, I, I think sometimes he gets labelled unfairly. Um, he's he's mm. had his fair spate of injuries recently. Um, but uh, again, when he's fully firing and, and fit, he, he, he's, he's a scary, scary player to, to have um, in, in his side. So, uh, so George... Just on a, just on a, a kind of a, a brief uh, a brief tangent with George North. I mean, um, we're talking about a player, you know, and, and looking at him in the, in the Lions uh, in 2013, that I think was, was probably the 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 best he's played you know he was absolutely superb there again like you said the physicality but also the speed and the finishing had everything there but we're talking about a player who's only 28 years old um has had a lot of problems particularly you know with injury particularly with concussion um i just wonder whether this kind of this period where we're where we're in lockdown and and he's it might actually be a a good thing for prolonging george's career you could well be right, Jed. You know, as you say, he's still a young guy, isn't he? Twenty-eight, so it's not as if his career's coming to the end. So, so this uh, this enforced break could be a good thing for him. Um, you know, I, I I would never rule him out. Um, you know, I I think he's a, yes, he's had his problems, and it'd be interesting if Pivak is going to change how he wants his wingers to play. Is he going to go for the more elusive winger? Um, but um, you know, George North has got to be in the conversation. He's got to be in the mix, really. Yeah, I think you're right. Let's. Um... Let's just talk about the uh, about the about the other players there as well. Um, Rory Underwood, again, you know, has had some uh, had some had some real highs in the in the Red of the Lions. Yeah, again, eighty nine, ninety three. You know, Rory Underwood, great finisher. Um, you know, very very quick, uh, elusive. Um, defensively, he could get caught out a couple of times, but um, for the Lions, he, he was a very very good player. Um, so he, he gets one of the slots and. And Jason Robinson, obviously, you know, if, if you give him half a yard, you've got a problem there. Um, you know, the amount of times for England, he, he would split the fences open and I still haven't forgiven him for that one in um, 2000, was it 2003? Yeah. yeah, I still haven't forgiven him for that. Um, well, you know, great rugby league player and he, he's one of those players that comes across and he's a great rugby union player as well. So, uh, so I, I think that's a, a reasonably good shortlist. Yeah, it certainly is, and and uh, I think uh, particularly in North and uh, and Robinson, you've got two of the most iconic uh, Lions tries in um, certainly within this time period. You know, 
Robinson skinning Latham around the outside in 01 yeah. and North with that, uh, you know, with that whatever it was, 60-yard 60 60 yard dash where uh, he, he latches onto the loose kick. Uh, but who is it who's who's going to get the 11 shirt? Yeah, this was a close one between uh, George North and Jason Robinson. Um, I've just gone with Jason Robinson. Um, I, I just think uh, it's just his ability one-on-one to beat a player uh, on the outside or on the inside just gets him ahead of George. Um and as you, as you touched on there, his try in the first test where he goes outside Latham, where there's hardly any room there. And Chris Latham was one of the best fullbacks in the world. It's such a great finish. So I've just gone with Jason Robinson uh, on the left wing position. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to argue with that. Right, there is only one position left, and that is uh, that is fullback. Very interested to see who makes the shortlist here. And uh, yeah, talk us through your thinking because you've got. Uh, you know, backline full of uh, of glittering talent here. Are you going for another outrageously skillful player, or is it is it going to be a mix of some, you know, a, a bit more of a, a few steady eddies and a few kicking options in here too? Yeah, as you say, I, I was thinking about it, obviously with Sexton as my ten. You know, he is a goal kicker, but I, I don't. I, he sometimes worries me as a goal kicker, Johnny Sexton. Um, well, he's he's never um, he's never been trusted in. Yeah. Oh, I'm not trusted. That's not fair. I, I've always got the feeling that Gatland didn't quite trust him enough as a goal kicker, uh, you know, so he needed a, a Farrell or a half penny alongside him to, to do the uh, to do the goal kicking. Yeah, he, he doesn't fill you with confidence, is he? Um, that he's going to nail, you know, as you get with some of the other kickers that are out there. So, um, mm. so yeah, so I was, I was thinking about that, obviously, when I came with my fullbacks. Um, you know, if I was going to pick a fullback purely for kicking, it'd have to be Neil Jenkins. Um, because in 97, he was just unbelievable. But um, this might be a surprise. He doesn't actually make my shortlist. That is a surprise. I, I was very much expecting to, given, you know, I think how, how fondly everyone has that has that 97 tour in, in their mind. You're right. He, you know, he, you know he, the, the second test, he virtually won it on his, not on his own, but, you know, he, he kept us in that game. Yeah, yeah goal kicking wise, he, he's, he's, he is the best I think I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um mm. But at fullback, I was a little bit worried because you know, I saw him play for Wales, mind you, a much worse side than the Lions um, <laughs> fullback, and, and he was torn apart. Um, he, he wasn't the quickest of foot, but um, obviously McGeekin and just needed him on the pitch, didn't he? He wanted him on there, yeah. He, you know, with Gregor at 10, you need a goal kicker, and, and if you need a goal kicker, then Jenkins is your man, really. Um, I, I just feel for. An all-round game. I just feel there was better options um, in my shortlists, so um, he didn't make it. Which, right? Who are they then? So my shortlist is Gavin Hastings, mm-hmm. Lee Halfpenny, and Rob Carney. Interesting. Yes, yeah. so three. Uh, yeah, three players who had some had some fantastic tours. You got two goal kickers in there as well. <laughs> so you have you you have got that option. Um, but I tell you what, let's talk about Carney first because. I remember watching that tour uh, in '09, and you know Lee Byrne, I think was probably the best fullback in the world at that point, and he he had a fantastic tour. And then when he went off injured, Carney stepped up, and you felt like you felt like um, you you weren't missing out on a thing when when Byrne went off. Carney was just absolutely incredible for every minute he played. Yeah, totally agree. Um, Similar to what you said there, I, I thought Lee Byrne would be the man, but he got injured. Um, and, and he was under the high ball defensively, and then obviously scores a try as well. He, he had a great talk, Rob Carney, and um, you know his kicking game as well, especially when in altitude, his left foot. He, he can kick it for miles, couldn't he? So uh, 
Um, so yeah, he he makes my short list, um, which goes against slightly what I was saying about goal kickers. But I just thought he was so good. I, I just I just had to find a spot for him. In, in that. Well, it gives you it gives you a drop kicking option, doesn't it? <laughs> it just gives you that option, doesn't it? Yeah, I didn't think of that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if, if yeah, if you want a drop kick from sixty yards, it's definitely going to miss. Then yeah. uh, Rob Car- Rob Carley's your man amongst other skills. Yeah, he's, he's your man for that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the other two, as you say, Lee Halfpenny, you know. What a goal kicking performance he put in in uh, 2013. Great player as well. You know, he showed some attacking prowess on that tour as well. You know, he's running the ball back. He, he had a great tour. And, and Gavin Hastings, you know, solid as a rock in defence, good goal kicker. Um, so so, so they, they were the three that, that, I, that I chose on, on the shortlist. Okay. Who is it who gets the nod? I've, got, I've gone with Gavin Hastings on this one. Um, again, 89-93 he came out of the 93 tour with a huge amount of respect from New Zealand uh, he was he was a very very good captain good leader superb goal kicker and, and he could you know he could pop over a try or two it, it was a it was a tough one between him and Lee Halfpenny I will be honest especially with Halfpenny winning uh, Man of the Seas in 2013 but I've just gone with Gavin I just think he, he, he was just a very very good leader and I think at times, his ball skills were a little bit more than what Lee Halfpenny's can be. So I've just gone with uh, with Hastings at 15. Yeah, it's a, tight, it's a tight call, that, isn't it? Because I think, you know, I think Halfpenny has, has had some wonderful performances uh, for Wales. and uh, But he was, he was stunning for the Lions in uh, in 2013. And, you, and you're right, offered, uh, you know, we again, we're talking about players who've been perhaps unfairly tarnished with, you know, with the being the kind of the disciples of Warren Ball and you know we've said kind of North and, and Roberts and, and sometimes people have, have said the same about Halfpenny but certainly on that tour he showed uh, he showed his counter-attacking ability as well which I always loved um, but Hastings again you know just uh, such a dependable figure and an absolute leader as well Yeah you know, Gary Hastings as I say obviously 89 is a winner 93 but it didn't work out as well it, Six tests, you know, two tours. He was captain as well on a tough tour. I, I just thought it just gives me a little bit more robustness, I think, for me as a, a fullback. But very, very good players. I, I just slightly edged towards towards Gavin Hastings. Well, it's a side we'd love to see, and he completes the back division. So Mike Phillips, Johnny Sexton, Jason Robinson, Scott Gibbs, Brian O'Driscoll, Yayan Evans, and Gavin Hastings. Uh, so there's a couple more questions to finish on, Craig. Okay. Firstly, is is who. <laughs> Who is going to be your captain out of this lot? You've got you've got Keith Wood, Martin Johnson, Sam Warburton, uh, Brian O'Driscoll, Gavin Hastings, Yian Evans. There's loads of people to pick from here. It is, isn't it? Yeah, O'Driscoll as well. You can put it through into that. Sexton's captain's Gethin's captain. Yeah, very, very tough. Um I, it's going to come down to to Johnson or Warburton, I think. Um and I think just because of the of how he encouraged the referee. Um, in 2017 I'm just going to go with Sam I think with how the game is nowadays uh, it's, uh, it's your choice and I, I, honestly I think you could have you picked any of those players and they've done an amazing job but uh, yeah he's uh, did a, an absolutely uh, outstanding performance as captain particularly in a, particularly in 17 now the other things you also get to choose uh, is you get to choose the opposition so out of all of those sides that you've seen the Lions take on from 83 through to, uh, to current day, which one would you most like to see this side take on? Wow, I wasn't expecting that one. Um, 
it's probably going to come down to either it'll be New Zealand. It's either going to be uh, the '93 or the 2017. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the 2017. Oh, interesting. All right. So the 2017, uh, the 2017 All Blacks will be the opposition. You can also choose where the game takes place as well. Where was? I mean, it's got to be in New Zealand, hasn't it? If it's this side against the All Blacks, it's got to be somewhere in New Zealand. Is there a is there a stadium in New Zealand that you're particularly you're particularly fond of? I, I think, again, going back to my first real Lions tour, I remember watching with my dad, um, so I'd be 83. I, I think I'll, I've always had a little thing for Eden Park. Uh, yeah. So that, that would be the uh, that'd be the venue, I think. Eden Park, Auckland. And the other thing that we always ask guests is you get to choose the kit as well. But when it's the Lions, there's there's, there's no real choice, is there? It's, it's, got, it's, it's just got to be it's got to be the red. I think it's got to be the red, Jed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, was your last, that was your last chance to, to show any kind of Cardiff bias. No, no, no. no I, hoop, I, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> if I pick the Lions, even I can't uh, pick a blue for that. So, uh, no, it's going to be bad. <laughs> Good stuff. I really enjoyed that, Craig. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us and uh, and choosing your dream fifteen of the Lions players from eighty three to twenty seventeen. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get you back on the podcast soon when we've got some real life rugby to talk about. Great. Thanks for asking me. Thanks, Jed. Podcast Network.